Tech Matters, the podcast that decodes technology for everyone. Oh, we're back for another episode, Craig. How are you? I'm good, Craig. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Hey, did you have a good Christmas? I had a wonderful Christmas. I visited uh, the host and producer of uh, Tech Matters. You did. Yeah, I don't know why you'd want to see me on Christmas Day, mate. But anyway, thanks was, for the invite. It was um, it was feeling a bit quiet. I thought I'd sort of um, have you over to sort of just <laughs> liven things up. You reckon? Definitely. Bit and uh, and we had some rain for Christmas. That was a great present. Oh yeah, but now I'm feeling the humidity here in the uh, makeshift studio. Oh yeah, All the moisture floating around. No, I actually got out and mowed the grass this morning, so it went from being dead to needing a mow within a week, which is good. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. So what's been happening since we've been celebrating Christmas in the tech arena? What do you want to talk about today? Um, well, actually, I think you've got a few things that, that... I have a list, but I wanted to see if you had some. But let's let's start with um, people paying up, hey? So about a week ago... It yeah, was... that's right. The, the ATO got a, a Christmas present from Google. Yeah, so here in Australia, we uh, saw them agree to pay something like $481.5 million, which is a nice little Christmas present for the Australian government um, in taxes. So what what are the, these companies, a lot of them are doing is they're not paying their fair share, mate. They, they could have scraped around the office and, and sort of taken up a collection of 20 cent coins and paid that much couldn't they <laughs> they pretty much could i reckon um so i don't know whether that's a good sounds like a lot of money but when you think about the money some of these companies are making but apparently together with the money they've already got from facebook and amazon and and others it's totaling around one and uh, 1.2 billion or something 1.25 billion dollars they've recouped with google um and the others so that's not too bad i'm sure it's making our our you know budget and everything here in Oz look pretty good well i suppose you know paying more than nothing which is what they used to used to doing is is a good thing so um they probably could be paying more but it's the nature of companies to want to try and reduce their tax bills at least they're paying something now so that's a good thing yeah so i think what's come out of it too is there's an agreement what they were doing and i know from my experience with facebook and advertising Whenever I received an invoice and had to pay Facebook, it would be paid to Ireland, to their corporate head of, like their corporation in, in Ireland. And what they were doing is they were saying that the Australian branch of, say, Facebook, for example, or Google is purely administrative and doesn't take any payments. Okay. And they would put their... Um, their plate companies or section of their company that would take payments in, like, a, a nice little country that where they could pay less tax, like Ireland. So that's their way of avoiding taxes. But what the government, and I believe Google in this case, and I'm not sure of the others, but they're agreeing to actually, if a payment's made in Australia, it'll be processed in Australia. That's what my understanding is. Okay, good. What's all that about? And how's Twitter been going for you this week? Oh, mate, you had to ask, didn't you? I did. Well, I can say I'm not shadow banned, but I got a nice little email from them, and uh, it was pretty much saying that update the Twitter app if you're on Android, because they'd found a vulnerability in the app that could expose your personal details to the world. 
You'd, you'd probably like that, wouldn't you? I think that's the idea of Twitter, isn't it? <laughs> so. There's, that's an interesting thing, right? Um, I was thinking about about the decade and uh, given that we're, we're just about to step into 2020 and one of the things that's really changed over the last 10 years is privacy. People have gone from, from I suppose, fiercely guarding their privacy to trying their absolute hardest to one-up each other and put everything they possibly can about each other online. Yeah, I, th- I still think it's a, a false world, but there's a lot of pri- every every app you sign up for is asking for personal information, and it's um it, and it, you're trusting those companies to keep that stuff private, and we've seen time and time again that it's just not happening. Oh, absolutely, I I agree with you, but at the same time, you think about you think about the wealth of information that that people, and I'm not saying everyone, because I tend to not tag every location I ever go to and post everything that I'm doing and take photos of every meal I ever eat. But but there's um, a lot of people who are actually going out of their way to give copious amounts of personal information about themselves up for free. You know, mm. more than... You're really talking, you know, with your other personal information, you're talking about your address, your phone number, you know, your name, and usually not too much else. Mm. But... But you think about people actually telling people, you know, posting, you know, whenever they go to work, whenever they check into restaurants, whenever, whenever they go on holidays, whenever they, you know, do whatever, they're, they're basically profiling themselves and putting it all out in line for free. And mm. that's, that's something that I kind of stopped and thought about, about the other day. I mean, I know as a photographer, I used to think, think long and hard about, you know, can I use or should I post? photos online and and making sure that I had model releases and and you know and the agreement from from people for actually posting photos but then you have a look at it today and and it's gone the other way that they're asking you you know why aren't the photos of me up online yet and Mm. and everyone's putting all of these photos out there they're trying to trying to make it easy for stalkers I guess yeah, and from a experience of a stalker that you're speaking to right now, <laughs> so, I mean, how many times if you've seen someone, you know, might friend you on LinkedIn or social media, have you gone investigating who the hell is this person and only to find out information about them elsewhere off the platform that they're friending you? It's not uncommon. I was speaking to this with my nephew who, um, I can't remember who he was looking at, but he was saying how easy it is that people are leaving all these digital footprints yeah, everywhere. And and it's easy to actually, like, if you're looking for someone to track them down. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, you're right, it isn't hard. I mean, I work for a law firm, and um, without sort of divulging any details, I think that that their jobs certainly become easier because, because people, you know, gleefully put information about themselves and make themselves trackable online every day Mm. and police as well are finding it easier because some of the kids that are stealing cars and doing well not just kids just criminals are taking photos of their crimes and videos (laughs) of their crimes and sharing it with their friends how good's that yeah (laughs) it's like here's the evidence there's my phone first thing first thing that happens is they take the, the police take their phones today because it shows exactly where they've been and it shows some of the stupidity that they've done. It's like I think I think it's just a little bit of Darwinism at work, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's like it's just um, 
it's just Darwin trying to level the playing field mm. and saying, well, you know, we'll just um, we'll allow the the not quite so cluey people to sort of take themselves out. Yeah, so, but on on the the whole concept of you know privacy, I I think that you know there are things on the back end of a lot of the apps w- that we have that allow you to reduce who sees what, and I think uh, by default some of those features are actually not enabled and and it's almost a an opt-in as opposed to an opt-out scenario or vice versa okay. depending on what's there okay but, but i'll question you this everyone in your social network on those apps you know if you choose to post stuff about you about what you're doing and where you've been and all that sort of stuff you're choosing not to be private anymore and all of those people and some of them you know, a lot of them probably aren't good friends they're probably just people you know peripherally mm. I, I know there are, there are there have been times in the past where and it's probably one of the things that stopped me posting online um i might have posted a photo of the fact that i was somewhere with my family or whatnot and it might have been one or two weeks later and and someone who i who i don't really talk to that often i just came across casually at, at something that i was had with my daughter just decided to comment to me about it and i'd forgotten that that they were one of my Facebook friends, and I thought, you know, I must admit, little things like that in the past have creeped me out. Mm. And um, yeah, well, if you put it up there, it's yeah, like, exactly, it's, it's, and but that, you might forget and, about it. And, that, yeah. and that's my point. My point is, if you choose to participate and and take on the full experience of of social media, have you basically surrendered your right to privacy? I'd say no, not totally, because you still are the filter. Not totally, but you have to get given up a degree of privacy. Absolutely, but but what? How do you measure what totally is? Because because here's one thing that I agree with you on, and it will you know sort of alluded to is you know I would think, and I don't have kids, but I think if I had kids, one of the last things I'd be doing is posting every activity that they're doing on social media. So what do you do? Do you ban them from it? Well, I think, yeah, at a young age, I think you should keep your kids off social media. And what do you consider to be a young age? I would say 13 and over is, is an entry point. I think anything 13 and under, I would say, don't um, engage in social media. Well, a lot of the um, the company policies for like Facebook and Instagram that have those age limits on it. That's correct. But how many kids do you or are you aware of that where their parents allow them to be on those platforms, potentially? M- most. Yes, most. exactly. And uh, and and some you know it's like it's like everything right. Some kids are on there a lot earlier, just like some kids get told that that Santa isn't real even earlier. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's kids on there that you know under ten that have got social media accounts. But here's here's the thing: is like you've got a daughter who's used social media platforms, and as a parent and a responsible parent, you actually have access and monitor all her accounts. Yeah, well. I do. I do to a, a degree. degree. I, I've, yeah, you I, have access. You don't. No, not. No, it's I, not I, spying on her. But the point is, you. One of the conditions is, is that you can check out what's going on if needed. Yeah. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll follow, and and me and my wife have had access to her stuff, and we'll, we'll see what she's posting. And I think she's probably the exception rather than the rule in that she actually doesn't like posting stuff. Mm. So um, it plays into her social anxiety a little bit, probably because it feels. To her, more like a competition, which is how a lot of kids treat it. Yeah. Um, 
Because so because everyone because everyone wants to be an influencer today, right? Yeah, I don't I, know that everyone does. Certain yeah. people do. I don't think everyone's like. Well, I think there's a glorification of that, but it's also an unrealistic goal. Uh, except with the exception of maybe TikTok, that's turning idiots into into famous idiots. So if I can put it like that, <clears throat> yeah. Look, I've I've kind of got a bit of a love hate relationship with social media. Um, I think that at a higher level, it's really replaced TV. So um, it's good for the likes of yourself that's, that's pushing business interests as well as businesses all over the world. They know that that's where the viewing market is or the listening market and they'll pitch their products to to people and I haven't got a problem with that. It's like it's the new Saturday morning cartoons. You know, kids used to sit down and watch cartoons and the ad breaks would be absolutely chock full of, of um, toys and all the latest toy they had to have. So it's really just a shifted medium now. People are getting products pushed to them, or products or services pushed to them on social media. So I haven't got a problem with that. One of the things that I do have a problem with is the fact that um, you've got kids who are underage, essentially, who some of who have amassed rather large social media followings, you know, 10,000 followers plus, Sometimes for all the wrong reasons, they could just be, you know, posting inappropriate photos of themselves or they could be posting themselves doing stupid shit. And uh, all of a sudden, you've got this turnaround where companies are actually now seeing them as as the equivalent of a television network and basically trying to use them to advertise their products. Mm. I'm not okay with that. Probably because I think... Um, even as they get into their 20s, I just don't think people are they're responsible and they're mature enough to actually properly deal with what comes with the pressure of being being made public like that. Yeah, and I'd agree 100%. And the thing is they don't know what the future holds when they become adults, particularly the youth, and they the companies now look at social media to see what sort of people they're employing. Yeah, I know for a fact my um my boss you know did a full search on the internet to see see what I was all about and see what they could dig up. I think that's that's pretty standard fare these days. Yeah, and and I would expect too if you it's no different than we just said if someone even sends you a request and you don't know that individual you're going to have a good look before you make a decision to say yeah welcome you into breaching my privacy. Well, that's what an adult that's what an adult would do. A yes. kid, a kid might not necessarily do that. They'd be going, you know, Looking wow, at the numbers. more followers. That's I'm all it. excited. Um, sure, you know, this person thinks I'm interested or likes what I'm doing, without really understanding why they're doing it, and they just accept those requests. Yeah. So, where where are we at on the privacy topic? Then you're you're a bit divided. See, from a business perspective, I love that people actually open up their privacy to to um, show what they're doing because it helps me understand who the audience is exactly i mean it, it makes it easier for businesses to target what they're trying to sell mm. so that part of it has been a boon for advertising that's why you know that's why google can afford to be able to give the tax department you know 400 odd million dollars of the billions of dollars they make each year because they are an advertising company you know whatever else you think they're doing Everything they're doing is geared towards making money out of advertising. 
you don't just casually drive a, a car and, and photograph every street you know in the developed world and put it all up online for free for people to be able to search just because it was a cool thing to do you know it's all tied into people being able to search for businesses and search for places and all that they want everyone using their products yeah and if everyone's using their products then everyone will want to advertise on their products yeah so ultimately everyone thinks that all these platforms and everything that has the word free like associated with it that they just think that they're getting something for nothing but the truth is is they're the commodity being bought and sold exactly i mean using the platforms is free but people just aren't putting a value on essentially what was their privacy is now the commodity which is exactly what you're talking about so the whole idea is to give you a whole bunch of free stuff that's cool and easy to use you know in the hopes that you'll surrender up some of that privacy to enable them to be able to gather that information and sell it to advertisers and and or more to the point enable advertisers to target proper audiences just a tip oh yeah so today's just the tip is the social media network that you never knew you wanted it's called Reddit. Yeah, so you put me on to Reddit. Now, I've heard people talk about Reddit, but give people a little bit of advice on what Reddit is. And So because it's just the tip, I'm going to keep this really brief. Um, Reddit is all about anonymity. You're not required to put all your personal details in. You're not even needed to sign up an account. You can jump on there. Um, the address is www.reddit.com. You can get mobile apps for it. You can look at it on your computer, in your web browser. But um, think of it as a whole bunch of um, forums that you can join in and read information on. It's literally got everything on it. And you can you can post on it and you can be anonymous and you can find just about anything on there and has millions of people active on it and the content is turning over very quickly. So it's always pretty fresh. Mm. So I signed up. Yeah. Yeah, you, you you coaxed me into having a look into it and I found, you know, you pick the forums that you want to belong to. You don't have to sign up like you said. What, what's the term you use for someone who doesn't sign up? Yeah, you're a lurker. You're, yeah. just, you're just lurking. Yeah, so I did start to lurk a little bit. I thought, actually, I might get involved. Well, there's some really good, um, some really good little forums on there. Um, lots of things that you wouldn't even think, like there's, there's forums where people talk about um, depression, they talk about dealing with narcissistic families. Um, there's a really good one on there called, um, the subreddit is called IAMA. So a subreddit is a forum within Reddit. Um, IAMA is um, Ask Me Anything. And you can find anything from uh, individuals who have had really interesting life experiences to people running for president to to you know to musicians to actors mm. um bill gates um frequents it quite quite often he'll jump on there and just basically open it up and put it out there and and ask people to jump in and ask him whatever they want okay so yeah i noticed that there's a lot of back and forth and people helping each other from what i've seen i know there's other things on there um and there's amusing reddits and comical reddits and some of the things that you said which i haven't explored yet because i'm there for you know obviously 
getting information about some of the stuff I'm doing business-wise. yeah. Yeah. So, but you, you also said to me that if you're searching through those Reddits, things that tend to go viral on the other social medias actually start on the Reddit forums. Yeah, 4chan and Reddit can, are usually the, the starting point for things that, things that eventually make it to Facebook or Instagram. Mm. So you mentioned 4chan then, a lot of people wouldn't know. That's sort of an underground version of Reddit, and Reddit's more or less a similar format or structure to 4chan. If, um, if Reddit is the Wild West, then 4chan is the, um, the bandit camps, you know, outside of the towns. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wouldn't recommend people <laughs> yeah. looking at 4chan. T- t- today's, today's tip <laughs> is don't if, go to 4chan. if you haven't looked yet... Um, Check out Reddit. It's like, uh, it's the anti-Facebook. Yeah. The Mercade in Review. So um, let's talk the decade. Yes. So we're talking uh, 2010 to 2019. Let's talk about some of the cool stuff that's come out or happened or, or been invented in the last decade that's really changed people's lives? I'll let you start because there's been a lot. Like when you think about it, there's been a lot. So things that have changed people's lives. So so if, if you're an Apple fan, um, one of the things that might have changed your life was the fact that, that iPads came out in 2010. It's been 10 years. Yeah, that's unbelievable. I remember the launch and I remember the wow factor of the launch. I was sitting at my parents' place. It's like, you know, knowing where you were when... JFK was shot, except I wasn't born. But well, Steve Steve Jobs was pretty sick then, wasn't he? He was he was getting close to his last legs. Yeah, he, his, his pancreatic cancer had come back. Yeah, so, so he he launched, and I remember him launching the iPad, and I actually said to my parents at the time, even though there's others in the industry had tried to launch tablets, the concept of a tablet, yeah, and basically it was just like a big chunky iPhone in my, my perception of it. Yeah, and I just said to my mum as I was sitting there, I said, "This is going to change things." I think really, I mean, they always hoped that the businesses were going to embrace it and ultimately that it could replace a laptop. I think at the time, the comparison that Steve Jobs made was that it was really replacing netbooks because netbooks were small and they were slow and just generally poor. Um, And it's probably only really been in the last two or three years with the iPad Pros that they've really sort of hit their strides and, and been able to to properly replace a computer for everyday use, for, certainly for business. Yeah. Because I don't think you'd buy one for personal use because they're way too expensive. So interestingly, the iPads have sort of changed the IT industry. It's one of the reasons I wound up um, my PC repair business. Yeah. yeah, because you can't repair them, right? Well, a lot of the stuff's throwaway. So what we saw is an evolution. They still get desktops with the end of life of Windows 7 coming up next month. I've had a number of people connect with me asking to upgrade desktops. They're not looking at laptops or anything else. Yeah, because Windows 7 is 10 years old as well, isn't it? Yes. So let's talk about that. Windows 8, 8.1. Let's not, talk, let's not talk about Windows <laughs> no, 8. No, sorry. But the point is, yeah, we've seen a lot of flavours of, of Windows um, well, in that time too. Well, Windows 8 was um, them getting rid of, rid of their start menu and going to a start tile page, which was them trying to... You know, was them looking at iPads really and saying, you know, we wanted to come up with something that would look good on a on a tablet interface. Yeah, it was built for it was built for tablets, but it could run on a desktop, and they there was a lot of backlash yeah. over it. Well, the problem was that they just really didn't con- consider their main customers, which was the corporate world. 
Mm. So, you know, there weren't really that many touchscreen interface good computers out at the time. So it was completely wasted and it just pissed off businesses because it was just unusable and too far away from what everyone was used to. So let's look at the iOS and you've got the Windows platform and then we had a flavour of operating system which is very safe and secure and loved by nerds, which is Linux, becomes its own more or less operating system on mobile phones called Android. Yeah, well, I mean, it's Linux really um, became mainstream as well in the last 10 years, didn't it? Mm. And, and continues to power a, a large percentage of the mobile phones that people use um, with the, you know, whatever flavour of Android there is. But the loser out of those platforms of iOS and if you look at Windows attempting to... <laughs> <laughs> I went there. Windows mobile. mobile. Windows Windows bought the um bought the nilly dead Nokia and killed it completely. That's it. It's because they saw it as an opportunity. So, so here's the evolutionary thing with technology is Nokia, if you think back just over ten years ago, they were the market leader. Oh, they were, they were dominant. Yes. You know, and it was just it was really before smartphones smartphones before apps and um yeah, and they thought they could they could just keep doing what they were doing and and have it all, and they just they just missed one life cycle, like two or three years where they didn't do it and they didn't didn't jump on board. They had obviously they couldn't couldn't put Apple apps on there, but they had an opportunity to be able to go with Android. They didn't. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then and then Microsoft tried to jump into bed with them to cause, and get gain some technology and try and put Windows on mobile. So Windows Mobile and. Uh, yeah, I don't even think there's a Windows Mobile for sale today, is there? I no, know. there isn't. It's no longer supported, which is a shame because while that Nokia division was actually working with Microsoft, the hardware that they made was bloody good. Mm. Like, I actually saw a, a demonstration video of someone using the screen on one of those phones to hammer a nail into a block of wood. <laughs> and the screen was okay. You, you mm. show me one device that you could do that with today. Yeah, exactly. So interestingly, Android started out off as an open source competitor to iOS, but Google saw the opportunity and started to invest heavily in it. And they actually um, then were looking for their own platforms. on the They saw mobile as the future. So what do they go and do? They go in and buy all the patents of another company, phone company? Motorola. Motorola. Yes. <laughs> so so they, they, they just basically, you know, the Motorola, like they, they still are a company, but well, Motorola, the remnants of Motorola are owned by Lenovo, I think. Yeah, so which used to be IBM. Yeah, yeah. PC. So everyone's everyone bought everyone for patents. And, I mean, and Le- Go- Lexmark, Go- I believe, was IBM printers yeah. from the nineties. So the just... Google was just, you know, in a in a world where Apple were trying to basically sue people for, you know, everything from from a sideways finger gesture across the screen to how they rounded pictures on of icons on their screen, buying Motorola was purely about own, owning patents and protecting products for them and their partner companies like Samsung. Mm. So there, there's some pretty good phone company and partnerships that have come out of that. So we don't technically see the licensing that goes with having an Android phone, but there are agreements between the manufacturers and Google for that particular operating system and platform. Just ask Huawei, hey? <laughs> yeah. So, what else uh, in the last decade? So, you were saying about um, lighting and stuff earlier. Man, LED light bulbs. Yeah. You, you think 
10 years ago, I think people were transitioning off um, using incandescent light bulbs, you know, having a 100-watt light bulb to to get getting into compact fluoros. And, and then um, all of a sudden, within the last 10 years, there's just an absolute explosion of, of LED light bulbs. Because, I mean, they were around, but they were just super expensive. And, and part of the... Um, Part of what made that possible was all of the original um, LED lights. The sensor chips in them actually used a, a lab-grown sapphire, um, which you could imagine would be quite expensive. Mm-hmm. But um, they managed to find a way to actually produce those out of silicon, out of sand yeah. instead. So um, Price I, comes down when you can do that. Yeah, look, I, I remember actually seeing a documentary on the university, I can't remember which one it was, that... That actually developed and started mass producing this tech- technique, and they said that it was just going to basically make LED lights cheap and affordable for everyone, and, and this definitely happened, right? Yeah. yeah. So now we're connecting smartphones to them to turn them on and off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now we've got AI as well. I mean, LED LED lights have really, you know, done heaps of things. You think about ten years ago, we were using um, the backlights in all of your your Flat screen TVs were were still um, cathode tubes, fluoros as well. Now they're all all LED lights. Um, you know, just even getting... watches and phones. Yeah, watches and phones. You've got um, normal LEDs. You've got OLEDs now, organic light emitting diodes, where a traditional LED has a light with a liquid crystal in front of it, and the light shines through it. And organic LED actually produces its own light, so it uses a fraction of the power and um, the contrasts are much better because you can actually just turn a segment of it off so you get blacker blacks, you know. And a lot of phone manufacturers now use OLEDs um, in their phones and it's becoming more and more popular now for OLED televisions to be a thing. Mm. And another one in the last probably only two to three years we've seen a lot more that uh, reminds me of the Jetsons is voice recognition. Yeah, well, we've laid it into our houses, haven't we? Mm. So that's in the last, probably it's infancy in 10 years ago and we're doing a lot of, you know, uh, speech to text and stuff like that with, you know, products like Dragon Speak. And, but now you can go to Google Docs and have it transcribe instead of type um, and that's free. Yep. You know, so, and then you've got your, you know, all your devices, your uh, Alexas and or the Amazon Dot or whatever it's called and your Google Homes and you can use um, you can use voice recognition to to drive your GPS in the car while you're driving. Mm. Now that you actually have GPSs in cars, I mean, yeah, you know, I or on your phone. Exactly, you used well, to buy them separately. Who still buys an Avman? That's probably mm. within the last decade that that sort of changed, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cameras have become cheaper. Yeah, and, and and higher quality, both in phone devices and also, you know, we're putting them in our cars and. Yeah. putting them all over the place. The government are putting them all up along the highway, <laughs> like China. Yeah. Um, um, let's let's talk about Elon Musk for a second because he's oh, been yes. he's done lots of stuff in the last ten years, hasn't he? Yeah. So we've seen the increase in uh, the investment in fully powered vehicles. Yep. Um, so investing Battery. in in lithium ion batteries, investing in um, heavily investing in solar. In South Australia, is provided the storage. Yeah, you know, they provided battery storage outside Adelaide to basically deal with the fact that that um South Australia would have lots of power brownouts and whatnot. So it's 
it's basically um, acting as a as a buffer and making sure that they've got a stable power supply. And I'm, I'm, I think that's working pretty well, isn't it? Mm. it? Well, we haven't heard anything in the media that to the to the effect that it isn't. I'm so sure they I'm sure they would be openly rubbishing it if it wasn't working. That's exactly what I reckon too. So, but uh, look at look at what he's doing space wise. So you know he's he's basically he's commercialised space, right? Yeah, and and the future of space has become cheaper with his reusable rocket. Man, there's not a single time that I've watched one of those things land, um, and quite often two of them land synchronised, where I haven't just gone, my God, just things have changed so much, and that's just I'm thoroughly amazed by it every time. And I that's see the it. engineer in you. Yeah, I mean, it's not just that. It it's means just that, amazing. You know, they can it's... they can basically fuel these things on Caro and reuse them. So. Mm. So, you know, the, the cost per tonne to get stuff into space. So while we're on space, uh, Tesla's plan and uh, Amazon, Bezos's plan to put thousands of low orbiting satellites into space to give the world access to the internet. So he's, he's, he's actually, I think he's got 100 odd in space already that he's launched. Yep. And, and he's had a proposal to put 30,000 into space and he's asked to increase that by a further 50,000 because that's 80,000 and I don't know what Amazon's plan is but the scientific community is actually having a problem with it because they want to see deep space and they're worried about having this big armada of reflections and things like that that they're going to be blocked from seeing astronomical things that they, they're studying. Yeah, so that that's uh, with the satellites. The concept is is to deliver internet around rural areas that don't have access to the internet. Because there's even though a lot of people think that a good portion of the world has internet, there are still a lot of areas that do not have access to the internet. So both you can imagine from a business perspective, particularly with Amazon, why it would be in the interest of these companies to actually have. Everyone on the internet is from a financial perspective and financial point of view. But one of the other concerns, not only from scientists, is if, you know, one of these or some of these d- devices that they put up, and they're not very big, they're probably the size of a, a record player sort of thing. They're not large, yeah. you know, large uh, satellites. That's why there's so many of them. But if one or two get hit, they're worried that they'll create a massive debris field. Yeah, well... Um, NASA currently tracks a lot of stuff in space, so they actually have um, have a network where they track all of these discrete objects, as small as two inches in size, um, up to you know a metre, you know, and larger, you know, both um, space trash and active satellites. Um, as of two thousand and thirteen, there was already like twenty one thousand objects up there. Yeah. So, so everything new you put up there, you have to basically track it and figure out. You know, so that every time you do a launch, you're not going to have collisions, and and like you said, if if you know one thing goes wrong and goes off path and hits something else, all of a sudden you've got space shrapnel going everywhere. If you've got an, they actually had two satellites hit each other a couple of years back, and it created a really large debris field. And and once two smaller items hit each other, or items hit each other, they just shatter into even smaller pieces. So that that that's the question: is are we going to block ourselves? If there's a mishap now, a lot of these satellites, when they're launched, the idea would be is that they'd return and break up in the atmosphere within five to seven years of launch. So there's something that's constantly being replaced. Now we have what's called high Earth orbit, 
and then there's low Earth orbit, and the, all these satellites they're talking about putting up into space are actually low or Earth orbit. If you want to get a feel for exactly how much stuff's out there, I've got a really cool website you can look at. It's called Stuff in Space. So S-T-U-F-F-I-N dot space. And it actually shows um, a three-dimensional map of of where everything is currently sitting around the Earth. Yep. It, and shouldn't, it shouldn't be 3D, should it? It should be flat, shouldn't it? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> isn't it fun? Like, yeah, and flat Earth has really become a thing in the last 10 years. Go That's it. Go figure that. But um, you look at that and you get a picture for exactly how crowded it is up there. It's crazy. Yeah. So let's talk about, the, okay, so what do you re- reckon some of the things of the future are likely to be, mate? Where are we at with some of the things that you're seeing now that you reckon we're going to adopt in the future that are going to be hmm. in the next decade? I think I'd really like to see some some improvements in back, battery technology. Mm-hmm. Um, the main limitation at the moment is is probably not so much storage, but the way the anodes and the cathodes and the battery work, so charging speed. You charge them too fast, they have a tendency to blow up. Nanotubes, like silicon and carbon nanotubes, um, apparently are going to help with conduction in those. And you're looking at batteries, which can be charged in minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, that could last for, for a week. You know, that'd be cool. I'd love to see that. What, a, what about some things on the fringe there that we've been talking about for the last, you know, it feels like we've been talking about this decade that haven't necessarily come into fruition, like drivers, driverless cars and... Talking about VR and how it seems to have come into a gaming market, but is there a real commercial thing? And then augmented reality, where again it seems to be a thing in the gaming environment. Do you think there's a future for those things, or are they are they just gimmicks? Oh, look, I think I think driverless cars will be a thing. I think you've kind of got to go all or none. So you look at you know some futuristic movies, and if you actually automate the whole network, and it's all sort of networks and talking to one another then you can truly avoid collisions properly i think at the moment technology is good at breaking so you know, a lot of people are really sort of i suppose still skeptical about about everyone's cars being able to drive them around in the city certainly it's being used for for long-haul driving like trucking out, outside of capital cities industry are getting in, into it in a big way i know a lot of the mining companies mm. in australia are using driverless trains, trains driverless trucks yep. um, dump trucks and all that um, I've got a mate who works for BHP, and he said they're they're investing continually in that. So so that'll be a, a big thing. Um, VR, I had I had VR over ten years ago, and I think about how much money I wasted on that. And and I listen to people talk about about their VR today, and it it still really is um, glorified gaming. And mm. the the biggest problem with it is if you don't deal with the with the, the visual lag between your motion and what's on the screen, you cause um, motion you sickness. Motion sickness. Yeah. Motion sickness. I actually had this this one guy who I was showing um, flight simulator to on my VFX one go outside and throw up afterwards. <laughs> uh, which so, is pretty which is pretty funny. So augmented reality was another thing that, you know, uh, interestingly the MBA started to adopt, which is where you can put information up on on screen and choose to see things um, that aren't really there. So another thing that was talked about earlier in the last decade was Google Goggles, and that was meant <laughs> to be used for augmented reality. It was, um, 
it's one of those things where they put up these these proof of concept videos and these you're trying to imagine what it's going to look like and um everyone thought i'm going to be able to wear these things and walk around and you know, walk down the street and have you know these things throwing directions at me and i'll be able to do these these video calls with people while i'm walking and all that sort of stuff which never really worked the way the sample videos did the one thing that did work the way the sample videos did was the fact that you were walking around with a pair of glasses on that had a tiny little video camera on the side of it and it sounded really cool in theory until people started wearing them in public and freaked everyone the hell out. People were getting chucked out of bars, people were worried about other people videoing them in bathrooms. It just Yeah. It just it just when when the wider community came to realise that it was a thing, they didn't like it. Mm. So I thought I'd touch on that one because that's one that I know when I mentioned it off outside the podcast, it brought a smile to your face. It's interesting <laughs> because because right up until that point, the tech community at large were excited about it. They mm. thought it was going to be fantastic. They thought it was going to be this great thing. Well, who doesn't want to be a cyborg, right? <laughs> and then <laughs> what nerd doesn't want to be a cyborg? But but it's twenty twenty hindsight, right? Like, yeah. Like when you actually found out about these things happening, you're like, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, that's a thing. Yes. Yeah, uh... You know. It's, you know, it's okay if someone's, you know, out in public and holding a phone up. You know, plenty of people have been caught cheating that way, both by being in someone's photo or being stupid enough to post it themselves. But, um, but yeah, augmented reality, Microsoft are trying to bring that back again with their HoloLens too. And it's more geared towards business uses. Mm. And I've heard, haven't seen it myself, I've heard said it's pretty good. But I think all of those things are still generations away from from being, they're not going to be like the LED light bulb. They're not going to be part of everyone's everyday lives. I don't. I just don't see that happening. I think it's too. I'll finish. Too narrow usage. I'll finish our little topic because we could go on, couldn't we? With drones that we've seen. <laughs> I saw this thing today where they're actually talking about about making all drones trackable. Mm-hmm. So every consumer and commercial drone, from down from little ones to really big ones. Um, about every single one of them being trackable everywhere where they are. Yeah. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that, that you know, given what the technology is and where it is and it can be misused as equally as can be dangerous as well. I mean, like I, I see... In the you sense see, of to air, aircraft. And well, you see movies where, like, they're delivering Pizza Hut pizzas on them and I think it's cute that they think that they're gonna, it's going to be Pizza Hut and not Domino's, but... Um, <laughs> but uh, I just... I look at drones like that, and I think if they're going to be delivering anything, they're going to be um, kamikaze, you know, one use, one kill kind of things. Mm. I keep thinking that, that that's going to be the, the first weapon that the machines use against us when they take over. That's it. Did you see the Domino's had a robot that, that also sort of drives to your, like, wheels itself to your house with the pizza? And it's like a, it's not really, a, it is a robot, but it doesn't look like a robot, but you open up the, yeah. the, Contain. I'm thinking. Oh, they've, been, they've been using it over in the states. Yeah, it's like who's not going to take the pizza out on its way to the to, to where it's I know, going? It, it actually. Well, it's it's got deterrents. Like it's got sirens. It's got. Oh, really? It does have locks. It takes photos and oh, it's man. connected all the time. So it's just. So, it, I mean, I don't know. They, they did address that. Tip. They they addressed what would happen if you tried to attack the pizza bot. <laughs> and I think the whole idea is is man, the pizza is like five bucks. So if you're going to risk going to jail for attacking a pizza robot. 
but it's but, just not worth it. But is it worth them spending the sort of money and investment on those devices, or do you think it's a gimmick? It's a gimmick. Because hmm. I, I mean, don't think I just think for the cost of a pizza you just highlighted it. There, how many pizzas would you have I to think it's, spend to mate to I think pay it's, for those? I think things? it's probably R and D to have a look and see if you can replace some of your workforce, and it's a good tax write off. Hmm. Well, we'll look at the camera above the pizza that. Oh, does. taking a photo, <laughs> taking pizza. a photo of your pizza. Like <laughs> anyone's like, going to look at that and say, "I don't like the way it looked." You know, I just yeah. move that slice of pepperoni one inch to the left, please. That's it. But see, yes. that's that, that's to engage people on social media. So that's pe- to get their information because yeah. they have to sign up for the app so, to see their pizza. So I don't think pizza robots are going to be a thing. I think that's going to be a, as much of a flop as my poor old um, VFX1 VR helmet was. One of the things I think is going to become interesting and I think will be a thing. Um, you heard of deepfakes? Have we spoken about that? Yes. Did yeah. we speak about we, deepfakes? Not, not on the podcast. You and yeah. I have. Maybe Christmas. But so, explain it. So deepfakes um, are a, basically a computer or algorithm where it takes photos and video of someone's face and allows you to map it over someone else's and you can create a fake video that's almost indistinguishable from the real thing. So you can put you know, an actor's face on whatever or being used to... Most of the time it's a joke, but they could be used to do some, you know, really compromising videos of people. I actually see, and interestingly, people have actually used this technology to go and redo some of the special effects sequences from recent movies where they've tried to bring old dead actors back to life to fill parts and they've actually done a better job with the deep faking software than, than the um, special effects studio have done with their own techniques. Mm. But I actually see... That in the in the next ten years, and here's my prediction for for the decade, that actors are for a price um, going to license their likeness um, to be used in movies and movie projects. So in times where either they can't do it themselves, they don't want to do it themselves, they've got competing commitments, they're going to take the easier out and say, "I'll provide some motion capture video of myself or some video of my face or whatnot." And you can just um, you can just use my likeness for a fee, and I won't have to won't have to show up on set. Yeah. So Will Smith just did a movie where his younger self used that technology. So he he his face was mapped, and then they reconfigured his younger self, and he's acting with. So he's playing both scenes, but they're putting his young face on his yeah. real body. And he said that I saw him interviewed, and he actually said it gave him chills to see his youngest self, them actually doing it, how realistic it looked. Now, I can't remember the name of the movie. I don't know if you know the name. but I don't think anyone remembers any of the names <laughs> of <laughs> Will movies. recent movies. So, yeah, it's not that long ago. It was this, um, this last year that he actually uh, actually did that. So ever, ever since he released Wild Wild West, I kind of <laughs> yeah, tuned out. Yeah, um, sure. yeah. I don't know why everyone ragged on I Am Legend. You know, even though the... The, the sort of the zombie people and that kind of looked a little bit fake. I kind of liked the idea of it. He was in Bad Boys, wasn't he? He was in Bad Boys. Because that's coming out. He's again. going in it again. Yeah. All, all the movie, all the um, the old actors are, are recycling their old parts. They're doing Bad Boys. Um, there's another Top Gun about to come out. Yeah. Um, though a lot of the shots in that are real. Like, I believe that they actually hired out um, a whole heap of IMAX cameras and strapped them in jets and went out and, and did a lot of footage for it. Mm. I'm kind of interested. I think they're trying to. I know on the trailers they've been recycling some of the old Kenny Loggins music and whatnot. Oh, really? <laughs> but um, 
That's taking. That's that's see. That's banking on nostalgia, mate. That's something that's huge in marketing these days. If you're targeting your and my demographic of you know twenty five year olds, well, poor old, <laughs> well, poor old. Um, he's looking all right. Must be Scientology, but poor old Iceman's um not doing so well. He's had throat cancer. Oh, okay. Val Kilmer, so he's looking a little bit beaten up. Mm, there you go. I didn't know that. Yeah. What about you? What do you think will be? You're gonna you're gonna throw a helmet at me and come out with a big sort of um, tech guests for the next 10 years? Oh, I think podcasting is going to be big yeah. in the next couple of years. I think we're going to see a growth in this industry and that thus the reason you and I are, are on, the, you know, doing our podcast. One of the reasons, not to be big, but because there is a market there that's a little bit untapped and you know that there's an audience to be had. Podcasting is to radio like Uber is to taxis, hey? It is. And... Interestingly, I was talking about this uh, with you earlier about, you know, the democratisation of media and um, in, in that anyone can access this and the concept that things are free to, you know, we're free to create this content, whereas years ago it would have been very hard to do what we're doing here cost-effectively. It would have cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to sit with equipment and produce something that can go up on the internet and potentially reach thousands of people. Yeah, definitely. Um, and... And you can see the incumbents trying to trying to sort of stop that from happening. I had a laugh, like one of the things I'm doing for Christmas is we set a set a projector up out the back and then we sort of do like a outdoor theatre. Um, it's a summer thing in Australia. That's kind of cool for us, especially since um, I got like this $40 projector off eBay. Mm. Would have probably cost um, $1,000 10 I, years ago. I, I think that was a mistake, by the way. I went looking for the same one and it wasn't that price. Okay, so. <laughs> eBay, eBay pricing error in my favour, I collect yeah. $200. No, it's, it's probably about 150 and I got it for 37 dollars mm. a bargain, so. mate. It's a great so, projector. Yeah, but it's it's got an LED bulb in it. Instead mm. of using, you know, the... The old type bulbs that would blow and cost you four, five, six hundred dollars to replace. This the bulb life and life on this thing quotes it as being twenty thousand hours. So, what's the size of that screen that I've been privileged to sit and watch it um, outside? It's it's about probably about a three and a half meter screen. Yeah, so I mean, you look. It's got, at, it's got to be pretty dark to look any good, but but hmm. it's you know you're shooting outside at night with away from the lights, mate. I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing for thirty five bucks. No, it cost me more for the mount to hang it up. Yeah, yeah. So so we were watching some music videos before um, streaming the latest episodes of Lost in Space on Netflix. There's another one that's a, a blast from the past, but the new episodes are pretty good. And I was watching. Um, I was doing like an eighties, no nineties, nineties music playlist. And uh, Metallica, Nothing Else Matters came on. Yeah. And I kind of laughed to myself and thought those guys were really at the forefront of um, of streaming music mm. because because they were the, the public face of the record companies going up against Napster. Mm. I mean, even though I was into tech, I didn't even know about Napster. And overnight, just the the you know music downloading exploded when they when they got in told front of the cameras. Was and <laughs> they told it was possible. You know, and, and by the time they managed to shut it down, it had already been replaced by 10 services that didn't have the same problems and eventually the whole industry um, shifted and now Spotify is a thing, right? Yeah, so, I mean, there's so all the streaming services, music, starting with iTunes, which really kept Apple afloat with the introduction of iTunes and the iPod. Yeah. It was actually the iPod that saved them. It wasn't their other tech. It was the little device that they first brought out as a music player. 
and the MP3 players existed, but the iPod more or less revolutionised the way people could no longer download music illegally <laughs> and had to pay, yeah. and, and they licensed it, to the, and the musicians got a piece of it, and now most of the... Most people do pay for their music these days. Very rarely do you hear of anyone bothering because the price has come, <coughs> come down. It's become cheaper to stream. Yeah, well, I mean, you do pay. You don't pay what you used to. I mean, mm. what, you know, drive out and buy a music CD with 12 tracks on it for $30? I don't think so. I yeah. mean, now it's like 10 you know, if you want it without ads, 10 bucks a month. If, you, if you're happy to, to not have to build playlists and whatnot, you can just have it for free. Yeah, and don't mind a couple of ads thrown in here and there. Yeah, because Google's got to sell their ads, right? That's it. But um, but yeah, I mean, that's really the last decade has seen seen you know it's been about targeting consumers. And one of the things that I like that's come out of it is is the readily you know is the way media has become become readily available and cheaper, both in both in terms of you know videos, movies, TV series that you want to watch on platforms you know like Netflix and. Hulu and a lot of the the ones that stream here, I think Stan. I don't really know what the Australians Australian no, ones are like. No. Um, and of course, um, Spotify's you know going its hardest to kill. It's, well, they've killed iTunes. It's now called Apple Music, but um, kill their you know let's just you know sell individual songs. You know, mm. thing that's that's pretty much dead. It certainly is for and Amazon for, for, has, our, for our kids' generation. Amazon Music also has a platform to rival Spotify on there. <laughs> Do they? Yeah, so same sort of advertising, you know, 50 million songs. And and uh, I, I just got for Christmas one of their <laughs> their devices. Uh, I, th- I don't even know what it's called. Is it the, Is it the Echo? The Echo. Yeah, I got the Echo, and I set it up, and it's offered me three months free music. So. Have, you, have you tried <laughs> to... Um, what you need to do is to try and find a way to start a conversation up between your Google Home and your Amazon Alexa. We'll have to try that some stage to see what we can do. If not, just have a bit of fun with editing some audio between the two of them. So, which have you? So, have you actually used the the Echo much yet? I have used the Echo, but it's pretty much doing exactly the same stuff as the Google is doing in reference to the sort of things you can ask it to do. Um, obviously, I don't listen to audio books, but there's a potential to get audio books, but you can listen to your podcasts, you can listen to... I've hooked up Spotify to it as well, so like both platforms, that's available. Um, you can ask it the weather, you can you know make a, a, a memo list or a shopping list type thing, ask it to, to remember things. So I, I can't see any real, at this point in time, benefit. Same thing, you can buy devices to power, so they're really, for me, they're just like... Twins with a different name. Okay. So I I bought a cheap... What did I buy? Elstow. I bought a cheap um, Google Chromecast. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I did that wasn't to put it on my TV because I've got a... I'm still a bit old school there. I've got a computer under my TV. I like to use a mouse and a keyboard and actually, you know, not look like an idiot voice searching in my lounge room. I got a Chromecast for Christmas too. Yeah. So I've actually got mine out the back um, hanging off the projector. So mm. I can basically sit down outside and I can have the Disney Plus, Netflix, YouTube apps, Spotify, all that on my phone and I'm actually just using it to drive the projector when we're watching mm. stuff outside and I'm using... I think that's a good device. I actually like the concept of the Chromecast for exactly as you described. Not so much the voice. So my mum's got macular degeneration so she can't see what's on screen. So for her, Siri, Google Home and the 
uh, what's the uh, one we just mentioned? Chromecast, uh, actual God sends to her because that's how she actually gets stuff up on her television. Cool. Um, I am using some some voice stuff, but I'm using the Google Home app that ties into um, some smart power switches. So um, I've got some individual pass-through power adapters that turn off um, often on fairy lights that I've got around the place. So um, when we're sitting out, you know, we'll have the fairy lights on while we're sort of having our evening meal and then I'll just you know, tap a button or drop a voice command and actually turn them off while we're, while we're watching what we're watching. So it's been pretty handy for that. It does remind me of a lot of the sci-fi movies like of the 70s and the 80s and even the Jetsons talking to devices and having them do things. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I did actually think about whether I should look at updating some of the the switches in the house to smart switches because you can buy them from Bunnings now. You can actually replace normal power points and normal um, normal light switches, you know, single, double, triple ones on your wall with these smart switches that tie into tie into your smart devices so you can... Uh, so they're, they're powered off your your home electricity network, obviously, and you can and they can tie into your voice commands. And I thought that'd be a good thing, but there are some tricks with wiring them up. If you've got lights that are double and triple wired, essentially you're only wiring one of them to the light, and then the other ones kind of have to slave off it. And uh, what that basically means is if your internet's out, you'll, those light switches that are slaved off them don't work. Mm. So it's it's I'm at the moment really doing some best investigations into, you know, even though you can put those things into your house, whether I really should do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the the plug-in PowerPoints because you know I've got some fairy lights that are powered from the shed. I've got some around the bookcase where where the actual PowerPoint is buried down behind something. So it's handy to be able to switch them on and off. So how those. how do you do that? You're just saying you they're given a name of the yeah, well, what they are. You can group. You can group um, lights and switches and devices into rooms. Yep. So, um, what would you say to so your female say, friend Google? <laughs> so I, you know, tell her to turn on the bookcase fairy lights. Tell them to turn off, um, you know, the, turn on the back patio fairy lights, or or turn on the front veranda lights and whatnot. So that that works pretty well. Can can Google's voice be changed to a male? Yes. There's male and female voices with a number of different accents that you can. You set that all up through the Google Home app on your on either your iOS or your Android device. Are there any famous people on those apps? Do you know if there's uh, anyone recording their voices? Is that it used to be something with navigation? I'm just not, wondering. Is not anyone... with Google, but I believe if you want to try it with your Alexa, you can actually get some um, Samuel L. Jackson oh, action on on your Alexa. I don't think he swears a lot, okay. which would be funny. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's kind of what I've been doing. So so what was what was your prediction again? Did you it was about podcasts, yeah. Podcast. So we started with um, yeah. that, that, that that would be something that I think in the next few years will continue to evolve. And I do I do think that there's a future market for that. I do question so I whether suppose, some, of the, suppose you're talking... some of the platforms are st- sustainable. In So I'm, I'm more, as you know, the social media horse, so I'm looking at probably that side of things. So when you say podcasting, I suppose, through extension, what you're meaning is is little individual media networks as opposed to... So more and more people will listen to individuals producing content rather yes. than than content being produced on radio. Yeah, I think the market share is, is starting to move towards independence and I think advertisers are seeing opportunity and where there's opportunity, then money can drive 
people pushing the market as well. There's been considerable growth in the last two years. So so it's estimated that there's 400 and something, it's 420 or so, something odd million in revenue, which isn't a big industry when you think about it, last year that was generated from the podcast industry. Yep. It's anticipated by 2021 to be over a billion. So the growth of the revenue is okay. seen as being over 100% in the next two years. So... As far as increase goes, I think they're saying that um, people are listening here in Australia um, an average of once a month. So people are tuning into a podcast at least once per month. Um, and it's something like 10% of all streaming is now podcasts. I think for some people, believe it or not, I think they just don't really understand exactly what they are or how to do it. Mm. Um, you know, I think especially now that Spotify really pushing them on their platform, I think more and more people will start to listen. So I think the thing too is you look at someone like Spotify who invested in companies like Gimlet and Anchor and bought them out, you, you literally see companies are backing a horse and, and they've done that before and it's not necessarily been successful. Like they've, you know, Google goggles and things like that where they, they, they think something's going to be something and then it turns out not to be what they thought it was. But, but these companies obviously see a, a, a projecting a future and investing heavily in it. I guess one of the things that I find interesting about it is, and I've been listening to podcasts for a number of years now, probably maybe seven or eight years. And one of the reasons I started to do it, I was driving to and from work and I got sick of hearing all the advertising on the radio. Yeah. So um, so that's where I started listening to podcasts, both, both to be informative, but basically so I could just stay focused on the content and not have to listen to advertising. So if the platform itself starts to become revolutionized with advertising, I wonder how that'll change. Well, it, it's interesting because the way the formatting of the advertising is done on most platforms that I've seen and heard is the actual content creation. This can, be, this can become where it's a bit grey, is actually done by the podcasters. Yeah. So what's not to say in this podcast, now we're not sponsored, but not, what's not to say that in, in some of the content we've spoken about today that we weren't, that people weren't to know we were sponsored and we were talking a company up or a product up or something, you know, like we spoke about Google Home the other day. And, you know, there are the way in which these platforms are getting their money is actually by some, some of the ads are clear, but there are people, and most on them but, Ultimately, it's the podcasters that are creating the advertisement. The companies aren't dictating to them, this is how you must do the ad or this is how we want, you know, giving them the content to run. They're actually producing the ads themselves. I guess lots of one of your influencers on platforms like Instagram are, are spruiking products in the hope that those companies might get in touch with them and approach them about being brand ambassadors and either paying them or giving them free stuff. So so maybe, yeah, so maybe it's a similar thing to that Instagram concept with podcasting in the sen sense that these companies are looking at where they can place their money and get the best bang for buck. Like ultimately you want to reach as many people as you can and podcasting right now is a cheap opportunity for them to advertise and reach people if some of these, if they're targeting the right podcasts where there's a lot of listeners. So, yeah, so I think, I think with the whole concept of if there wasn't money behind it, it would just be a passion project like we're doing. But there are a lot of people that are actually looking to make a dollar out of it. But I see it as no different to YouTube, to be quite honest. Like there's only 
a small percentage of people who do actually make good money out of the YouTube platform. <laughs> yeah, and aren't they jamming ads down our throat now? One or two ads before every video. Yeah, I think that was for Christmas because I haven't noticed that the last <laughs> week. No, no, it's been it's going, going on for a while on. now. It's yeah. around about the same time that they started pushing YouTube Red, which is their pay to not have any ads platform. They actually ramped up the number of ads they throw at you. Yeah, and you gave the tip of the week in a couple of episodes if you didn't hear it a couple oh, yeah. of VLC episodes player. ago. Yeah. yeah, use the VLC player and drag your, yeah. your link across. So have a and listen to that episode. And... It's, um, it is a good tip. It's sometimes, you know, for the sake of listening to to one ad, you kind of wonder whether it's it's worth doing that. There's a lot if that have multiple if, ads through them if yeah, you're watching if, a long, it's a long video, video. If it's mm. a long video, it's a good thing yeah. because, because it, it won't break partway through to go off to an ad. But as a creator myself, not making money, I used to on one of my channels years ago until they changed the rules. <laughs> um, yeah, sad day for YouTubers. Um, but the, from the perspective of people who are seriously you know, wanting to create content, that is their income. So, so if, if people don't allow those ads to play through, then there's every chance that they're not going to get the income that they need to actually create the content. So it's sort of a rock and a hard place situation. And here's the in- interesting thing with YouTube Red when it was introduced is my videos, if people played on YouTube Red without ads, they would actually pay, you would get paid for that view without the ad okay. so you could you, and it would show in your analytics that someone watched that video on youtube it was i'm pretty sure it's still called red yeah. on youtube red which is their premium service without ads and you if, if so if someone played a video on youtube red the creator gets paid for that yeah. well i mean i know a few people who are actually paying for that because they hate ads but i mean to me it's probably if i was going to pay for a platform that gave me lots of videos probably just continue to throw my money with the likes of sort of Netflix and Disney Plus. Disney Plus isn't too bad. Just from having look, looked at it for a couple of weeks, I think it, it probably needs more content. But um, that, that, that's the goal will obviously be to create content for that platform now. They've yeah. got a good amount of pl- content. Yeah. Now, wasn't Microsoft through Xbox One, weren't they going to invest in their own series and things like that, like with Halo? And, and did that ever happen? I don't think so. Um, I have heard that their current deals with their Xbox Gaming Live Network are pretty good. Mm. So, yeah, they've gone more for the... Now their platform seems to have evolved into more live stream, record yourself, big connected community as far as gaming goes. And I know very little of Sony and what they do with their gaming platform, but these larger companies that have some franchise games, I mean, they've got the potential to make you know storylines and there's a shows whole, around those. there's a whole world out there that i haven't even touched on or paid attention to which is is people actually streaming themselves playing games on networks like twitch oh yeah and and on youtube now and and it's on facebook I didn't as well know that was justin.tv that years ago i used to watch the the actual there was a lot of illegal stuff being streamed on <laughs> justin tv i don't know if you do that like sport and events and things no. like that so that's going back in the early 2000s and I didn't realise the guy who created that, he actually turned that into to Twitch yeah. which, and he was just a backyarder and a guy, young guy who wanted to help people stream stuff. Well, I guess it, it's probably the, the logical extension of, of esports, like you know, this whole thing where, where people are actually 
playing video games as a profession and and I um I must admit I look at videos of these stadiums filled up with people watching people in these video game tournaments and I still shake my head and think it's fake. Mm, probably all CGI. <laughs> <laughs> but but interestingly, see, there's something that's evolved in the last few years and, 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 and is deemed to have a big future, the, the concept of esports. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird, like, I suppose growing up when when we were had our parents chastising us for spending too much time playing video games and telling us that, that nothing would ever come of it. I guess that was the prediction for for maybe, you know, the following decade and two where where all of a sudden you could actually, you know, potentially make money from playing video well, games. Well there's there's people actually spawn like businessmen are actually funding teams and these teams actually do workouts and train and have a training regime and they have practice time, they live in the same house together. It's sort of sort of like a big version of Big Brother. They rock up to work, which is playing games and they go through meditation and 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 these these like it's, like, MB- neck, it's like neckbeard central man. <laughs> it's like there's 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 NBA players that have invested in teams. I know Gary Vaynerchuk, um, Gary V has invested in Rocker. Your personal friend. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like those guys. They like you've got people now seeing potential, and again, it's all around marketing. He he has VaynerMedia, which is a um, an agency for sports people. So he, if again, another business seeing opportunity in, in that space, he's, he's backing that space. Yeah, look, once again, it's something I haven't paid a whole lot of attention to, but, but gaming and esports and stuff on, even on YouTube is just, and it's not the biggest um, platform like um, Twitch is much bigger, but, but um, just have a look, you know, some of the top streams currently like live games being played on YouTube. So yeah, there's there's 77,000 people currently watching a Free Fire game. There's 54,000 people currently watching someone playing Minecraft. There's a League of Legends game going with 19,000 people watching it at the moment. You know, these are... But, you know, but are we just easily entertained, mate? I can spend four hours on the toilet watching TikTok. Yeah, well, that's you. That's <laughs> like, my point being is like, are people, are we just becoming... Because there's so much media to be consumed, are we just becoming massive consumers of 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 entertainment as, to fill our days? Are we really doing a lot on these platforms? I guess so. I mean, it's interesting, right? Because you and I, you know, we could spend huge amounts of time making content, producing video, doing interviews, all these sorts of things, and then you've got, you know, someone basically sitting there, you know laughing and carrying on while they're playing a video game and streaming it and then a million people, you know, watch it and they're making, you know, they're basically making an income off YouTube doing that. Yeah. It's, it's worth their while. I've seen any number of people who are basically playing games on YouTube or on Twitch as their full-time job. Yeah. You know, there's enough people following and viewing them that they can afford to do that. Well, I bought an other media recorder, which is sitting down there that not, never got used to record games when I was a really good COD player. Yeah. And never never recorded to it. It's still sitting there. If anyone wants it, you can email us at our email address and I'll send it to you. Um, I don't even know whether it'll work with any of the consoles now. It was for an Xbox, uh, Xbox 360. Well, what do you think? So in terms of streaming, you know, like 
obviously esports has come to prevalence and people are streaming themselves playing games what do you think will be the next big fad in streaming it's, it's not going to be people watching tiktoks whilst on the toilet i wouldn't think no but. i don't think I, i'm questioning what what tiktok is still and whether it'll be around in a few years like in, in similar like i think some of these ebb and flow so what is the what's the future of of these things that's a good question asmr asmr had, oh. a, had its day in court it's um you know i've seen you know videos with a million views of someone shaving a block of soap <laughs> jesus <laughs> so so i mean that goes to my point about what is entertainment so look i think i think there's platforms like linkedin i think people are i think people will shift their attention to other platforms i think that microsoft have invested in 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 that i think there's going to be a shift towards kindness i do i think that people are sort of over the narcissism and the uh, you know people being in it for themselves so i think that we'll see different content i think we'll see i think more around content that's being um managed like what's acceptable like youtube have just brought out a whole heap of new terms of services to, to remove you know people that are doing the wrong thing on their platform so i think there's going to be a lot more policing of that stuff you know one of the things i like so here's one thing i, was, I saw on reddit that i really like you know, apart from all the the weird cat memes and stuff like that um there's this um there's this thing where people will go out and clean up a public place so they'll they'll you know the hashtag is i think it's called trash tag so they'll mm-hmm. go out and they'll collect up bags and bags of rubbish and post photo of them with all the rubbish they've collected online. So yeah, it's it's almost like a, a challenge that's kicking around the internet and has been for a while. So I, I think that... It's better than planking, right? Exactly. I think there's going to be a transition to... I don't know. I think there's a there's a movement. I do think there's a movement of, of good and that, that some of the, the shit that we're seeing on social media, that I think there'll be a big... And maybe it's because the, the people viewing that platform... Are, are, are probably like a lot of those views are probably immature minds if i could say it like that and and they're going to become adults and i think they'll question what they find entertaining and perhaps in the next five to ten years i think we'll see a shift in what people are consuming and actually what holds people's attention yeah well i mean i think kids these days probably question i mean they didn't grow up in a world where you had to pay for for music or you had to go out and hire a, a tape from a video store you know it's just part of a subscription you turn it on and it's all there it's just mm. it's instant on instant available um, so that's my question you don't like, have to, you don't have to wait for the carrier tone to screech for the internet to, mm. to to connect like in our little podcast intro it's just it's always on yeah and, and i think that's why i question something like tiktok and maybe i'm i'm wrong in the sense of you know i don't know I'm, i can't see the future but i, I wonder how long something like that can stay popular in in that even though that contents you know eventually it's going to i think it's going to run its day in course as to how much stupidity can you do because people well, are going to start well, running already, out of stupidity i really well, do it already that. has once so tiktok was musically so yeah. it already went away and came back um yeah. instagram has actually been around for uh not since facebook bought it but has been around for 10 years Hmm. um snapchat has been around for about seven or eight years but it hasn't really kind of hit its strides until the last couple you know there's always going to be early adopters but but sometimes it just it takes a while for these things to become popular i think 
And do you, do you think, like, here's the other thing is advertising on Facebook, for example, one of the complaints that I've heard from people who aren't on the platform other than getting off the platform, particularly younger people for pri- around privacy, is they're sick of seeing ads on the platform, even in Instagram. They feel like every second image that they scroll down or scroll through is someone selling something to them. Is it becoming just another platform for advertising that's not engaging? I think by the time the likes of you and I get around to thinking that one of these platforms would be good to try and advertise a business on, we've probably lost the boat. Mm. We've probably missed the boat. It's kind of like dropshipping, right? Yep. You know, that's been around. That's something that, you know, setting up your own website and selling stuff online and dropshipping from another company is also a phenomenon of the last 10 years. And, and really, you know, the early adopters were the ones making money out of it. I think people who have been successful on it um, are probably now making their money out of um, making YouTube videos, trying to tell people how to make money on it. Yeah. And they're probably the only one um, actually making money, kind of like the guy who who charges $100 a, a plate and a ticket to um, to come and see him talk about how to make money, right? Exactly. And and they're called contrapreneurs. <laughs> With Basically. the emphasis on the con, right? Yeah. So, so contrapreneur is a person that literally smacks of success and their success is derived from having people pay them to tell them how to be successful but they pretend they've made their dollars elsewhere or they've been successful in their own enterprise and now they're going to tell you how to do it and they 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 entrap you into a room and say hey and they'll have other speakers to warm you up and they'll basically convince you to part with some dollars like an evangelist yeah. that they're going to save you or make you successful. And, and there's a lot of that going on right now. And you see them advertising on social media all the time, entrepreneurs. Then there's the entrepreneur, yeah, who's the, the guy that pretends to have everything. Yes. Yeah, he's yeah, looking at me like me, yeah. So, so yeah, so the entrepreneur is a person who presents to the world um, an image that they've already created that success but they haven't. So these are the guys that will go and hire a Porsche or something just to have a photo with it to get, you know, to then try and spruik something to someone. So um, they haven't actually achieved anything, but they'll pretend that they have. Look, I think, I think there's this, these platforms. There's still a, it's still possible to, to become the next big thing on them. But I just, I don't think there is any way to plan for it. I think if it happens, it's just sheerly a fluke. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think you can plan for that success. I think you can test and you can see what works. I do think that people fall into it. I do. But at the same time, I think you've you've got to ask yourself what you're doing it for before you even begin. And and, and by the way, a lot of people go into like I know with my OzSwish channel um, on YouTube, which... You know, Which I everyone don't. should go and check out if you like basketball. <laughs> yeah, thanks, mate. I, I actually dropped that, not planning to plug it, but, <laughs> but anyway, that channel doesn't have many followers. But uh, so, so for me, the motive of that channel, even though I did earn income from it back a couple of years back before the, the changes around, you know, before hours Google and, shafted you. Yes. Yeah. Geez. So, so that channel, it it was really geared. To, and, and is geared to educate coaches and give them things to do with their athletes. So it was never, there was no expectation and it continues to get subscribers and views to this day with very, like I'd like to give it more energy, but I'm doing other things that do earn me income. Yeah, sure. And and for me, it's it's why you set that stuff up. You yeah. Know? 
I mean, we're not making any money out of this. It's just, no. it's a, it's a cool way to pass a Sunday afternoon for us, and we get to, to um, catch up when we don't see each other um, as much anymore. And it's an excuse to get together and, and shoot the shit and talk tech, right? Yeah, and and it's a commonality that we both have that we were, you know, you were on another podcast and decided you've got this equipment and you're producing Bully Beaters was the podcast. Yep. So uh, you did 10 or 12 episodes of that particular podcast and, you know, you've got all this equipment and you were still wanting to do something in that space. So one night we just gin wagon and said, why don't we do a tech podcast? So within, what, 30 minutes and a couple of pizzas, we had the name Tech Matters. Well, I mean, I'll tell you why I started. It certainly wasn't for... For you know all the money that's being thrown at me at the moment because there is none. It had everything to do with me realizing that it was an awesome avenue for me for personal development yeah. to 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 get in and talk about stuff where um, normally naturally pretty introverted um, yeah, enabled me or more or less forced me out of my comfort zone to get in and and sort of talk about stuff and give a little bit back and. Because when you were on Bully Beaters, you really the goal there was for you just to produce it. Because you 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 love the tech side of this stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't about love it. I I'm capable at it. So um, yeah, initially I was going to to just make it happen for for Jay, you know, um, a mutual friend of ours, and and realise that. That in order to to make it work, it really needed to be be you know be more than just one voice on the podcast. So I I very very much pushed myself out of my comfort zone and and got in and started talking about it. And it and it really sort of as with everything when you when you push yourself out of your comfort zone, you either crash and burn or you grow from it. And I think that that doing that really. Um, led me back to this and I'd, I'd been talking about doing something like this tech podcast for a number of years mm. and I just hadn't ever really kind of thought to myself how I could do it what I'd talk about and you know would anyone even bother to listen well we've certainly got a number of listeners I know you listen and I listen <laughs> no yeah. so so the the thing is, is well, these, these things, I, enjoy, these things, I enjoy it these things live online for years man so yeah so you never you never know when something is going to go viral. You know, like I said, Snapchat was around for years before anyone gave a crap about it. So interestingly, with my other podcast, so I'll drop that one in there as well. I I had a stint on community radio, public radio, nothing overly special. Four and a half years of interviewing independent artists. Yeah. And I thoroughly loved the interviewing process. Yeah. I got a kick out of talking. Well, I do anyway, <laughs> but but I got a kick out of talking to those people and asking them questions about themselves. And when I had a little bit more time on my hands, and I have another business which is basketball, yeah. um, I decided that I would I would look for something else to change up my day and do something that's that's actually different. And and that's sort of becoming a little bit of a what's next in in terms of a business as well. Not so much money making money from the podcasting. But, you know, embarking on potentially earning income, helping people learn podcasting and potentially creating a network. Yeah, well, I mean, actually, one last thing from the last decade that's changed a lot, all of the fabulous cheap tech that you can you can get, mm. like um, even the microphones, the mic stands, everything, you know, that we're using, you know, all the, you know, the, the laptops that we use to do editing on and all that sort of stuff. All of this stuff just costs ten times as much 
10 years ago. Yeah. So which, which is which is great because I have this little this little um, theory of, of tech where you take one individual um, item, whether it be a computer or a RAM stick or a hard drive or whatever, and that item will half in value every year down to it costing virtually nothing. And it, it goes for internet services if you take it into account for speed. It goes, you know, it works for for storage space if you don't account for the fact that you've now got 10 times as much for the same price or whatever. Mm. But, but but just with the improvements in technology, everything's just become exponentially cheaper and, and it means that you can do things like this and you can... And you can have your own podcast, and like this is this setup which you've taken photos and people could see on our website. What's our website address? That it's the te- it's tech matter tech tech matters podcast dot com. Yeah. yeah. So we said that in unison. Wow, <laughs> we should be on a podcast together. Yeah. <laughs> so you complete me. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Well, have to when it's a two man show. Definitely. Now the technology that's sitting here produces a similar level of quality that I would expect out of the, the station that I operated in, you know, as far as quality and microphone and audio. Yeah. You know, it's 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 on par. Like, I I believe, like, I've listened to a number of podcasts and there's varying qualities and people survive varying, varying qualities, but audio is very important because people can't tune out if the audio is not overly good. But well, inter- ho- hopefully we're getting a handle on that by now. Yes, hope so. So with the podcast that I'm doing, I'm doing a video one on YouTube as well. Now, to produce something like that, like you think go back 10 years to even think that you could do that in your house. You couldn't. With, I'm running one camera that's an AI camera that literally... I'm sorry, you could do it, but you could never do it by yourself. No. So I've got a camera that's literally changing scene cutting and listening to voice and you know adjusting the cuts and I've... I probably spent, I think I worked out, it's probably about, you know, I don't know, $1,500 on the equipment, including the desks and the chairs and everything that's just gone into that studio. Sure. And that's not much. Like, and, and, and here's the thing is I have the ability to multi-stream across Periscope, YouTube, and more than one Facebook page at the same time. Yeah. Like to do that 10 years ago, that would have cost millions of dollars to have access to the world. Like yeah. to millions of people, and that's and that's the real thing. Even if you could have made the equipment happen, the ability to to stream and broadcast out oh, to the know. world is what didn't exist, or yes. that's what would have cost millions of dollars. Well, well, on the simplest term, is you can literally reach an audience just by pushing record on your phone on one of your social media platforms and going live, or having a podcast app, you know, like Anchor or something, and literally, and you can market yourself market it yourself on social media. Yeah. Yeah, for free. Yes. Well, I think that about wraps it up for today. Um, I think we've rambled on <laughs> enough. And um, so we're up to Christmas. We're waiting for New Year's. You got any New Year's plans? No, but I'd love to know what your New Year's resolution is. Listen more. I'm going to take that one too. Okay. Have a great week, guys. See you guys. Thank you for listening to Tech Matters. The podcast that decodes technology for everyone.